Welcome to the Brave Feminine Leadership Podcast, where we share stories from amazing leaders just like you and me. We break down myths of leadership, imposter syndrome, and we ask what brave feminine leadership means and does it need to change? All of these interviews were originally recorded in video format. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Brave Feminine Leadership for news on when new video series will be dropping. It's wonderful to meet you. Drop me a note if the content resonates. Melissa at bravefeminineleadership.com. Let's get brave. Welcome to our Brave Feminine Leadership interview series. I'm absolutely thrilled today to introduce you to Kim Moriyama. Kim, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Oh, you're welcome, Melissa. Thank you for inviting me. It's a real honor to be here. Kim, I'm going to jump straight in with a little bit of your bio to make sure people um, know a little bit about you and then we'll jump into the conversation. So Kim guides professional women in midlife who struggle with overgiving to accomplish career and life success. Kim also developed leaders and teams through wilderness adventure programs And in 2002, she founded a Pilates studio where she spread a whole body and breath centered approach to fitness and trained other teachers to do the same. Her current mindset coaching practice is rooted in the Sedona method. And she loves refocusing clients on their unlimited nature through letting go of limiting thoughts and feelings. Kim, I can't wait to get into our conversation. And uh, I know firsthand, you know, what absolute um, success you have in helping people through this space. So welcome again. Thank you very much. Kim, I'm going to hand straight over to you and I'm going to say for anyone who hasn't had the pleasure of coming across you before, would you take us through who you are and, and answer the question for me about why you are who you are? Sure. And I'd like to frame this answer from a heartfelt journey that really started from the time I was very, very young, when I was really struggling with feelings of not being enough and trying to prove myself in the world to be worthy of acknowledgement, to be worthy of appreciation and love. And this journey that my life has taken me on, I've come to discover the truth that, you know what, I am enough. I do have something valuable to offer the world. And I'm I'm really excited and inspired to support other people, especially women, to discover that same truth for themselves. And even though we may all have different stories and details to the story of our journey, I think there perhaps is a common thread that we can all relate to um, going from this lie of not enough and we're on this journey to discovering no we are enough and recognizing our value but I'll share my my story with some details because there might be little triggers along the way that really support people fantastic so I was born as a second uh, or actually third generation Japanese American And both my parents worked very, very hard. And I'm grateful that I inherited that hard work ethic, but there was also this underlying current of not being good enough. And I heard the message that Kim, because you're a Japanese American post-World War II, 
you are never going to be equal. You are always going to have to work twice as hard to be equal because you're Japanese American and you're a female, mm. right? There was shame associated being uh, tied to a race that had done some awful things in the world mm. and they had lost, right? And, you know, other Japanese Americans had been at the mercy of the US government. And so we didn't feel trusted. There was just this mindset of having to prove that we were trustworthy. Sure. So this is the mindset that I, I grew up in. And so that led to, of course, great performance out of Kim. She got great high school grades, was a high performer in college, got great work reviews. But the truth was, Melissa, it was all founded on not enough. Mm. And I, in fact, even got a graduate degree in organizational development just so I could have conversations with my father. <laughs> to feel, <laughs> I know because that's what he was passionate about. That was where he had taken his stand to show his competency in the world. And so there wasn't much else to talk about. So that's what we talked about. That's how I found a way to connect. So on that journey, I had incredible experiences with incredible people. And don't get me wrong, there was a lot of fun in it, but there was always this little niggling thing that was driving me to do better, get more education, get more training, right? When am I going to be enough? Mm -hmm. It seemed like a never ending cycle. And again, I got great work reviews and, um, but the heartbreaking thing was there was something inside of me that always felt like I had anxiety. I had imposter syndrome. I was always, you know, faking it, you know, trying to cover it up, even though I did great work. Mm. My heart, you know, just wasn't on a solid foundation. It took an incredible toll on my body. It took an incredible toll on my mind. And even though I was doing exciting stuff in the merger and acquisition industry, helping, you know, companies navigate deregulation, you know, doing, working as a first American in an all Japanese graphic arts design firm, you know, building cultural bridges, all that stuff sounded great. But the toll it took on me was hard. There were moments where I realized, oh, shoot, I've worked so hard to climb a ladder but it's against the wrong wall. And one day, literally the ladder just fell apart and I was forced to stop. I had health issues that caused me to stop. And so I took time out in nature to recover and heal. And in that stopping, I really had to just listen to my heart. It was literally a broken heart. And when I didn't think I could get any lower, there was something inside of me that just kept saying, yes, you can go, go to where you find peace, go to where you find joy. And that's when I discovered when you really see being in the whole as holy, you discover your wholeness, and then you can rebuild your life from a place of wholeness recognizing that it's all part of what makes you rich, that life is not happening to you and you are not a victim. No, everything in life is happening for you to grow. And to me, that's what brave is, is that moment of taking responsibility for your life and saying, okay, no, I'm choosing to make 
these changes. I'm choosing to think this way. I am going to create my life. I am going to become responsible. I am going to become able to respond to no matter what happens to me. Mm-hmm. So I followed my heart and that ended up leading me into nature, starting to work with professionals in wilderness settings, actually to discover brave for themselves. Even though I got told from my injuries, I was never going to walk, backpack, ski, ride a bicycle again. I ended up working in ski patrol, ended up carrying a backpack again because there was just something inside of me that could not be held back. And so I really wanted to support others to discover how brave, the brave that's already within them could come forward and shine so that they could be leaders in the world, that they could they could be able to respond to what was truly important to them and to the people that were important to them. And so in that, you know, many more different experiences arose. And you mentioned being the um, founder of a Pilates studio. Well, because of all those injuries, I really wanted people to discover the healing powers of their bodies and then trained other women to do the same. Women who were passionate about the work, people whose the movement work had transformed their lives and they wanted to share. I really wanted to create a space for the giving and the upliftment of the human condition to, to happen. And that was a very, very fulfilling part of my life. And then when the Sedona method of letting go came into my life, it really tied everything together. So if we all open to the possibility that we are enough, the founder of the Sedona method, Lester Levinson said, you are an unlimited being. In that you have no choice. So any obstacles that are self-imposed, they're only there because you're holding them and you can let them go. And when you let them go, what you discover is who you truly are and you can build your life from the inside out. You can live authentically true to who you are. You can let your values come forth to guide you. You can let your own inner knowing, you literally are allowing life now to come through you because when you are enough and own your values, own your value plus your values, there's space to literally follow your joy, follow your happiness, allow yourself to give and receive support because you're in an abundance mindset that there is enough, you are enough. And there's courage to just take the next step. So that's what my passion is, is to continue to live that myself and to support others to discover that and live that for themselves as well. Kim, um, I love the the story about your journey. I love the ladder up the wrong wall. I think that, (laughs) that will resonate with so many people. The, the thing I wanted to sort of jump into with you is, you know, I know so many people out there um, feel stuck and, you know, often the message people hear is that you need to, um, you need to get clarity. Um, you know, you've got to start with clarity about what you want. You're not going to get what you want unless you get clarity about it. And I see so many people who feel almost a bit paralyzed by that 
that pressure or that concept. Can I just ask, you know, have you ever felt that way? And, and is that an experience that's common with you, with people that you help? You know, Melissa, that's a great, powerful question because I think the intention of that question is really good, but where we get lost and confused is we have so many literally unconscious filters about what we should want, what we need to want, what we must want that, that have been instilled in us from society, from our parents, things we got role modeled to us, um, from friends, right? So there's, there's so much confusion around, well, well where, where do we go? And so what I help my clients with is to actually go inwards to their own heart by letting go of all the feelings and beliefs they have around clarity, right? Because I'm sure some of the listeners, as soon as you said that, they just contracted inside like, ah, I see there again, I'm not good enough. I don't know what I want. And that's just another stick to beat myself up with, right? Right. And so this piece of just pausing and allowing ourselves to breathe and allow the thoughts and feelings to come up about what we think we we want and then let them go. And when we actually let go of holding on to what we think we want, the stuff that isn't really truly us drops away Right. And what's truly true for us remains. And then that guides us. So oftentimes I feel people think, oh, I need to get clarity. Like it's something outside of you that you're trying to get. I have to work hard towards. Again, that's my, you know, back to my story. Um, You know, I don't know. And I don't, if I don't know, then I'm not enough. I have to get something to, right? No, clarity is actually revealed from the inside out. So when we let go of what we're not in a very gentle, kind, compassionate way, what we truly are guides us and leads us. And actually, this is why I have, you know, my um, animal friends here to support me, you know, when I coach, because they're colorful, they're beautiful, they move, they move but really they're following the call of the heart into the space of an, of an unknown where the next step is revealed. The clarity is revealed into the space. Did I, did I answer your question? You did answer my question. Um, And I think there's so much about the, the pressure people put on themselves and, you know, often people uh, find themselves doing, doing, doing. So doing the next thing. And I think that came out through your story around, um, you know, doing your next degree, um, you know, doing, doing. And I just, um, you know, then I hear contrasting that, I hear you use the term about space and about creating space for things to reveal themselves. How do people create that space? Mm, You know, this, well, one pausing, you know, and there's a lot of different techniques on the planet that people can use to pause. So for example, in my, my journey, I took time out in nature, right? Just being still 
Another really powerful technique that people use is journaling, just freeform journaling at maybe a regular time to really set aside space to just let whatever comes up and it doesn't need to make sense. But for me, I love using the Sedona method of, of letting go because what it does is it unravels the energetic kind of tangles that we've put around ourselves. Like you said, the pressure, right? That sometimes it's our own self-imposed pressure of wanting to control the process of getting clarity that keeps us from actually allowing it to arise from our own intuitive knowingness. And if you'd like, we can, I could share a process with the listeners, you know, so they could have a direct experience of what it is I'm talking about. Absolutely, Kim. Okay, shall we do it? Yeah, sure, I'd love to. Okay, so for our viewers and our listeners, I would love for you to participate in this experiential process. And if you could grab a pen, we will um, use a pen as part of this uh, teaching metaphor. All right. So for the sake of this exercise, let's use your hand as your unlimited nature. It's the space of all things possible. It's, it's the space through which life's creative energy wants to move through you and express in the world in joyful, beautiful, happy ways. Okay? This pen, for the sake of this teaching metaphor, is going to represent our resistance or feeling of stuckness to not knowing <laughs> or wanting to control having clarity. So what happens is this pen comes into our awareness. Okay, And so just for the sake of this teaching analogy, Let's have the pen represent something meaningful to you that you would like to feel lighter and freer about. It could be a thought or a feeling. In this case around getting clarity, it might be I'm stuck, right? I'm frustrated, it might be, or why can't I figure this out? Mm -hmm. I need to know. So let's everybody grip this pen to the degree that you don't like having this feeling. Okay, now, after a while, right, it's really uncomfortable, right? And nobody likes the feeling of being stuck in not knowing, right? But then after a while, it starts to feel really familiar. And we almost get habituated to thinking this is how it is. So we try to gain clarity with uh, like, just like a fist gripped around a pen trying to go through the world, okay? But if you look at your other hand, it's open, right? It's open to give and receive in the world. It's, there's lots of possibilities, right? So in terms of clarity about what is it I want? What is it I want to be doing next? How am I meant to serve in the world, right? Do you think it's going to be easier to allow that to come with a hand closed around a fist mm -hmm. or a hand open, right? Well, I think most of us would agree, like, the open hand that's not holding anything is going to be more resilient, more agile, just plain open to giving and receiving in the flow of life. Okay. So if hopefully you've still been gripping this pen to make this teaching metaphor really powerful. Now, so the feeling of stuckness, the feeling of wanting to know, right? Is it helping us get what we want? 
No. Is it bringing a feeling of well-being and peace? No. Okay. And for the sake of this metaphor, is the pen actually attached to the hand? Well, no, obviously not, right? But it feels that way. Just like the feeling of being stuck might feel like us. And we even use it in our language. I'm stuck. <laughs> I'm frustrated, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it's easy to see why we would do this, okay? So, oh, and one more thought. When we get in that state, our brains, the neuroscience, our amygdala start hijacking us, right? So we go into fight, flight, freeze, or appease to try to figure this out. So we grip even more, right? So the human condition is set up that when we get triggered to feel like we're stuck, we very often stay that way. So mm -hmm. here's the hack. Here's how we get out of it. You could ask yourself, first and foremost, is this serving me? Is it helping me get what I want? Okay, no. And is the hand holding the pen or is the hand the pen? Well, obviously it's holding it. Am I this feeling of stuckness or am I holding the feeling? Okay. Now, is it possible for the hand to let go of the pen? Well, of course. And would it if it could? And when? Yeah, so let's do it. Now, if you've been really gripping that pen and you set it down, can you feel all the energy now moving through your hand? It's remarkable, right? Mm. Well, that's what happens when we let go of trying to figure it out. Suddenly, there's a surge of energy, just like energy is now flowing through the hand, energy flows through you, and that totally supports reveal, right? The hand is freed up to move, explore, to give and receive, to be in the flow. Things are revealed, right? Can I ask him for a, a connection on that? You shared a story um, of someone that you'd worked with in a leadership role to help them because there's lots of different things people are holding on to and we can touch on, on some of those. Um, fear of judgment, people pleasing, you know, a whole range of different things. But could you talk through how that process of letting go can help someone, you know, with their own leadership? Oh, absolutely. So I have a story of a client who is in a high-tech household name firm, and she got brought on to help develop um, uh, like a new product. So it was highly stressful, tons of ambiguity, right? She was also an ethnic minority in that group right, in that area. So there were lots of things to feel really uncomfortable about. She was actually returning back to the corporate environment after having taken some time off. And she had always felt in the past, like, this is really stressful. I don't belong here. I want to run away. <laughs> but now this time she was super motivated to succeed. There was some financial motivation as well. Plus, just on a personal level, she really felt like she needed to complete the journey. So started off with all the positive thoughts, right? We all know about positive thinking. But one of the challenges about positive thinking is that you can put a smiley face on a dumpster, but it still stinks. Mm. 
The key is to let go of those subconscious beliefs that um, are stinking up your, your thought process. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a couple months into the job, she was starting to feel like I'm not giving enough results. I'm not like proving myself and somebody's going to find out that I, I don't really know what I'm doing. Well, the truth is that nobody knew what was going on because there was so much ambiguity and uncertainty. And so through the releasing work, she was able to let go of the, the limiting thoughts and beliefs of, I need to know I'm not enough. I'm supposed to be the expert, right? That if, if I don't get results, then, and if results aren't happening, then I'm to blame. And if I take the blame, then everything's going to be okay. You know, there's this sense of over-responsibility, right? So in, in allowing those beliefs to come up, which wasn't too hard in a rapid fire situation, she got the skills to one, recognize that she wasn't the feeling or the belief and she could let them go. And so that was the first step, discovering uh, the strength to discern what was truly not hers. And it didn't matter where they came from. She just knew they weren't hers and she could let them go, develop the skill set to do that outside of the office in the moment throughout the day, and then start holding space for the people around her to do the same. So by doing that, and like I said, I mean, it was like a boot camp. She was in releasing boot camp. And when she started to feel like she was resilient under any circumstances, things really opened up for her. It didn't mean that the challenges went away. Mm -hmm. There were still a lot of challenges. Um, you know, she had to manage up with somebody who didn't seem to have necessarily her team's back, wasn't like actually trailblazing away for her. She had to go cross lateral and find where the allies were. She had to train her team to shift their mindset from being victims of their circumstance and starting to become able to respond like starting to support her in giving solutions, starting to talk about what they need and then empower her with ammunition to go get that, right? So she really, this literally, the becoming able to respond, take responsibility, so powerful. And it was amazing to watch her inner transformation of feeling like a victim of her circumstance to, being able to respond. And I said at one point, man, you look like a chiefess. Like, she's like, yeah, I know my values. I'm, uh, I want to, I want my people to know that they're valued and respected and I take a stand for them. And what's super exciting, Melissa, is because now that she's owned her value and when those limiting thoughts, she lets them go, She's taking action for her values. She's now seeing where there's inequity in the team and is now empowering her people to take a stand for themselves. And, and you know, we're talking about also equity and pay. Mm -hmm. She's like, Kim, it's shocking to me, but this is true. 
the, the one white male has the highest uh, pay grade <laughs> and the women have a lower pay grade. And then the woman who's black has the lowest pay grade. And so she is now feeling the well-being, safety and trust within her to actually promote equity in the workplace, mm -hmm. to be a living example of diversity and mentoring, empowering others and having influence where she can to actually support people in knowing that they are enough, that when they deliver the work, they by all means are able to ask for what they're worth and supporting the system to actually really value equity. Kim, there's something you said in there, and I just wondered whether it was the case with this person. Um, you said that it enabled her team to get to a place where they were providing solutions and coming up with answers. I hear a lot of people say that they feel like um, they have to do all the work. You know, they feel like, yes. yeah. Um, was that the case in this situation? Did she feel that pressure to do everything? In the beginning, yes. Yeah. There is a piece of overgiving, and that's something that I can really relate to, have a lot of empathy for. And I actually developed a little quiz. You know, if it's something uh, free that I can give to people on the website, um, you know, you can just come to my website and download just a little quiz to see what their mindsets are that are underneath the overgiving mm. to help identify, maybe there's a key shift that I could make. Just by shifting one thought, I could open up to a new possibility. Yes, that overgiving habit, I'll just say it's a, it's a habit founded on a belief of, well, if I take care of everybody, then things will get better. Mm. But in our, in our business world today, there's so many organizations that are trying to do more with less. That old way of thinking of just kind of pushing, striving, like I can do it mentality, you know, I can be superwoman. That's what I aspire to. It isn't, it isn't working. It's not sustainable, right? That's what I discovered. That's when I burnt out. I tried to fix situations from that mindset and it didn't work. It, it, I, I found that out the, very painfully myself. And so I'm supporting others to discover another way that's more mutual and harmonious. And it starts from the inside out. Okay, So for anybody who's relating to this part of trying to fix it by overgiving and just feeling burnt out and not having time for themselves, Okay, again, pause, right? take a breath, right? And first, just give yourself some compassion. I find that is a key first step to just start with compassion for our own habits and the things that we've done from a very generous place, especially women. Mm. You know, there's just something about women wanting to be giving wanting people to to be happy and be their best okay to give compassion to to ourselves for everything we've done right and when there's that compassion melissa what i find consistently over and over again with people and myself something inside softens 
there is a dissolving of that self-judgment that thinks we need to do it all or get it perfect. And from that softer, gentler, kinder place, self-loving place, inspiration comes and we learn how to um, see more clearly and discern more clearly what's actually true about a situation. And then perhaps we naturally, like through this body of work, when we let go of what we're not, we're able to slip into more of a coaching um, cultural mindset where we're asking questions, right? And asking questions to help empower people to become more able to respond. So we're building a culture of responsibility or a culture of able to respond and have each other's back. So many thoughts came up for me as you went through that, Kim. And, you know, one of the things, you know, it's, it's probably worth just sharing briefly some of the work I did with you um, in the sense that, um, you know, my, my background had been as a CEO, loved it, um, stepped off of that space because of a diagnosis with an illness, so breast cancer. Some of the listeners will know that already. And um, kept myself extremely busy. Uh, so although I decided not to go back to that CEO role, I kept myself very busy. So a classic, you know, do, 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 uh, looking for more answers. And was at a place where I wouldn't necessarily um, have even described myself as creative. In fact, if someone asked, I'd just say, I'm not, I'm not creative. And it was really interesting. It was really through spending some time um, with you and, and slowing a whole lot of stuff down. That's hard for people to do. So we need to acknowledge that. Um, a lot of our listeners will be in very busy corporate careers still. So, you know, it's harder for them to find that space. But in that space um, was where the entire idea for this series came from. Um, Beautiful. Yeah, so it's, um, it's so important at any stage, I think, to be able to do that. I guess what you do is you help people reconnect um, with themselves, really. Yes. yes, I and this is my passion, Melissa. You know, a metaphor that I've used, and I, I do believe this is one you've mentioned how much you love. It's inside of, inside of us, there is this sun, like this inner sun that's always shining. And from mm. the past, you know, we get these clouds <laughs> of thoughts and beliefs that prevent us from really experiencing that inner sun. But just like the sun in our solar system, even when there's thoughts and emotional unrest, does the sun ever stop shining? No, no, it doesn't, right? But, but, but it can feel like we get lost in the clouds. <laughs> Right? It's like we take a picture of the cloud and then we keep looking at the picture and saying, why won't these clouds go away? But like in nature, do clouds ever stay in the same spot? No, they come and they go. 
So this piece of getting very kindly and lovingly in touch with ourselves, that part of us that is always shining, we, that's when we're connecting to the part of ourselves that is, is inherently peaceful, that is truly unlimited, that is unconditionally fulfilled, absolutely willing to surrender to what life is asking us to do and showing up to the best of our ability, right? So Lester Levinson, the founder of the Sedona Method said, it's really important to balance letting go of what we're not, right? Because that's where most of us focus is like, ah, oh, I don't like this feeling. How do I get rid of it? Or this thought, right? Is to balance letting go of what we're not with welcoming the truth of what we really are at our core, because love is like a soothing balm, B-A-L-M, soothing balm for our soul, you know? And I think the old way, and I bet a lot of people can relate to this because this is what I did. I used my kind of like lusting, wanting desire to achieve something to motivate me. I used judgment to motivate me. I use shame and guilt to motivate me. Well, you know what that got me? It got me more in the wanting and lusting never enough mode, right? Mm -hmm. More, more, more. I need more. It was never ending. And while shame and guilt, well, that literally just led to more shame and guilt. This is the old way of trying to accomplish and do things in the world from just my own experience, right? Pushing, striving, not enough. I have to compete, right? I mean, I had own, my own personal experiences as I was in new environments where some of the people who were the hardest on me and pushing me back were other women. Mm. Yikes. Mm. Ah, you know, and so it was very confusing, right? Um, and I don't think it was intentionally meant to be mean, but it was coming from a place of there's only there's limited space for women. Right. So in this, like, you know, there's, they're trying to do diversity. So there, but there's limited space and your competition for the limited space. Right. So that's that scarcity mentality. So I feel like this, these powerful conversations we're having, and I love that you're doing this, Melissa, creating space. It's like we're hospicing the death of the old way, mm -hmm. right? The hospicing with dignity, respect, with gratitude, you know, you served well to this, to this point. So there's great kindness in the letting go, right? And we're simultaneously midwifing the new way that's based on, you know what, I am enough. There is space for me to be who I am. I can authentically live and lead I can create space for others to authentically live and lead. Mm -hmm. Things can come through me. You know, the feminine is all about birthing, right? <laughs> the womb, creation, and what's required for birth, but complete surrender, right? A letting go, allowing life as it's meant to be expressed to come through the feminine, and men and women, we both have that old masculine, you know, push forward, you know, striving and the, you know, just the pure thought. 
along with the softness of the feminine, you know, the manifestation of birthing, creation, the unknown. So it's in all of us and we all have to, it's time. I feel like all the conversations happening, it's actually very exciting. So as we pause, bring kindness to who and what we are, that comes into the foreground. Our unlimited nature comes into the foreground and then we can live as that and let the other stuff just gently, gently release away. Kim, I invited you into the series really specifically because I I genuinely believe, and it came out really clearly through the first series that I did, that the you know there's a very complex and and multi-layered set of reasons why we're not seeing traction of women into core leadership roles and you can have the discussion about structural and i'm sure there's a whole lot of that to um to to improve and to fix but the first thing i think in in any of these conversations has come back to mindset and you know it's the mindset around um why, you know, and, and I am stereotyping, but I think there's enough information about to support this that, you know, a male will feel confident if they can tick two or three out of the criteria to go forward for something, um, whereas a female won't, not all females will do that. Yeah, They'll sit back, yes. they'll wait for someone to tap them on the shoulder to say, you would be good at this. So they're kind of looking for external validation. Um, mm-hmm. I just love your perspective on that. Sure. You know, I think historically, and well, who knows exactly why, but I'll just speak from my own personal experience. There's a piece that I always felt like I needed to have safety. You know, women as a physically, you know, um, less strong species, you know, part, you know, we've we've had to, not that we're a species, but you know what I mean, right? That we that is hardwired in us in order that we need to feel safe. Okay. So what is it that makes us feel safe? (laughs) At least for me and a lot of the women I know is actually knowing that we're part of a group that somebody's got our backs. Right. So there's that piece of wanting to feel seen and heard, but I would say in a lot of the way that our businesses and uh, have been structured, and at least in my own experience, that um, in order to move forward, you've had to toot your own horn, right? There had to be a real willingness to step forward and say, no, I can do this. I want this, right? So there might be something really, really kind of hardwired for a lot of, of us females. Right, but whatever the story is about what's holding back, I think we're at a place where the key point is it doesn't matter what the story or the obstacle was. Could we allow ourselves to let go of anything that we're holding on to or that's causing us to hold back from stepping up and and stepping forward to offer what we we know is a genuine contribution, right? Also, could we let go 
of anything that we're holding on to or that's holding us back from pursuing what our heart truly desires, mm. right? If you really desire to be the captain of the ship, if you want to be the CEO, right? Could you let go of anything at all that's preventing you from stepping up and stepping forward to lead in the way that you know you could make a difference, right? Could we let go and move from any fear? Could we move into fearlessness, right? Just one step at a time. And could we do it with a lot of kindness, right? One of my mentors said, nothing can stand in the light of love. And when we put our own limitation up to be dissolved, right? The universe rises to meet us. We're supported. When we surrender all of our limiting thoughts and beliefs, we literally just surrender them <laughs> away and are willing are willing to be brave and vulnerable, just to be open to the possibility, synchronicities happen. We're supported. We, we cooperate with what life is asking us to do. And all of a sudden, we're like, whoa, I'm actually doing this. Yes, I think as we talked about earlier, suddenly there's a mindset of, oh yeah, I can. I could do that. I can do that. I will do that. I am doing this. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so as women, when we come together in groups with other women, it's like, go, you got it. You know, you can do this, right? That's, that's what we need. I have two, two final things I want to run past you. One, one, when I read this quote, it made me think of you. And it's a Brene Brown quote. And it says, I always know I'm not listening to myself when I start polling others about what I should do next. How does that land for you? Well, first, I'm curious, why did you think of me? What came to <laughs> Maybe it's the helping people connect back with themselves um, mm. as opposed to yes. the answers externally. Yes. You know, I think yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're um, very true. I, that resonates for me, what you just shared, that we're at a time that I feel the world, our families, our communities, right? There's so much chaos in the world, right? That really, when we start turning inwards to what we know is true for us, that's when we're starting to tap into the universal support of where the solutions actually are. And I feel it's really important that we create safe environments, right? Create a space of psychological safety <laughs> that allows us to lead from the inside out because that's what the community needs. That's what the group needs. Right? It needs a safe space where people can actually share what's coming through them, their unique perspective mm -hmm. to help solve, um, to solve whatever the challenge is. 
Kim, my final question I ask of everybody is, from your perspective, what does brave feminine leadership mean and do you think it needs to change? Hmm. For me, brave feminine leadership, when I think of brave, right, it's the courage to become responsible for yourself and your world. And that it doesn't mean the overgiving <laughs> that we talked about earlier. No, it's about becoming able to respond. Right? So it's letting go of any limitation and welcoming the love that's inside of you and leading from a place of love that allows you to be able to respond, to uplift yourself and others. Right. And the feminine part of this to me is if we go again to the feminine, the birthers, right, that quality of of actually valuing space for the unknown, right, being willing to surrender to what's wanting to come through you, where is the river of life already going? And what is it asking of you? Right. Sensing allowing presence to um, and allowing your efforts, the doing part, to be in support of where the river is, is going. So it's being in the present moment, right? Mm -hmm. So brave, feminine leadership. And I feel if we just keep doing that, you know, in that way of being able to respond to the present moment, fully surrender to what life is asking for us, even if we don't know what that is, except the next step. I think the possibilities are unlimited and we will come into an era of trusting that we are enough and we are gonna create a world in which that's the living experience is enoughness, mm. right? Abundance. That's my hope. That's what I'm giving my energy to. I feel optimistic and I'm part of the solution. And I want to invite all of our, all of your listeners to step into that because that is inside everyone. There's a brave feminine leader in front, inside of everyone, man or woman. Right, It's in all of us, but this is the time for women to really embrace the truth of what we really are and surrender all of our limitations to see any setback, any challenge as an opportunity for brave feminine leadership to be birthed. Absolutely um, beautiful, Kim. Um, you know, I know some of these conversations will be, um, might be the first time someone's been part of a conversation like this. Um, and, you know, I just invite everybody to be um, open um, and, and to really listen to what I think are some super important messages for people. Um, you know, the I am enough, I don't think people can hear that enough. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I just got chills. Can I tell you one more story? Because yes. the yeah. story like really moved me. I, um, I can't remember who I heard it from exactly. So I can't quite give the credit, 
But it was uh, the Baha'i people have a story that there's this bird of humanity. And for centuries, the male wing <laughs> has been overworking. It's been the one that's been doing the predominant work and it's tired, it's overstretched. And as a result, the bird of humanity has been flying in circles for centuries because the feminine wing has been underdeveloped. Wow. And now is the time. And these people say now, and the, the Baha'i people have the story that now is the time, right? So I'm going to tie it into this, the call for women in particular to say, no, we are enough. We're going to stretch that wing out and support the men of the world in bringing their feminine leadership to the foreground as well. Foreground as well. We're going to strengthen our skills of listening, of there is enough right? No longer is that one, like, there's not enough. I have to like, like, like crazy, right? Two wings. And when the feminine really extends itself out, the bird of humanity will soar again. So if there's any holding on or holding back, you know, I don't have to tell anybody, you know, there's a lot of challenges on the planet. Take whatever you want. Politics, the climate, health, right? With the health situation, there's no shortage of challenges. So if there's any holding on or holding back, let's focus on that part of ourselves, that part of ourselves that's ever present, that is kind and compassionate no matter what, allowing that feminine nurturance of that to come into the foreground to release any limitations, to take a stand for mutual and harmonious relationships, first and foremost with ourselves mm. and then with others. So the bird of humanity can fly again so that the new ideas can actually take physical reality to support our world in ways that really matter to each and every one of us. Kim, thank you so much for joining this conversation. Um, you've been so generous and giving with your time. And I just want to say, you know, a thank you on behalf of all of us. Mm. Oh, well, thank you for including me, Melissa. It's great to be able to literally <laughs> put the voice out there, maybe go out on a limb, but this feels really important and the work you're doing is important. So keep on keeping on. Thanks, Kim. Hello there. If you're enjoying the podcast and would love to accelerate your own growth and leadership, then head to bravefeminineleadership.com forward slash brave tips for your gift from me, where I've captured all of the amazing tips and themes that came out of these conversations. I hope they help you feel your brave rising.